For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're going to bring y'all to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, and with me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxine. How's it going? I see him. I'm excited to announce the rejoining us after crazy long, a former professional basketball player in both Brazil and Australia, a coaching presence at both the legendary Oakland Soldier AAU team and Bishop O'Dowd's title winning program, the founder, owner, and operator of Triple Threat Academy, where he's developed multiple college and NBA players, including Damian Lillard and a guy who is impressed. With Clay's balanced approach just last night, Mr. Tony Fercero. What's going on, Tony? What's up, fellas? How we doing? I'm good, man. Um, good I had a, another intro for you that I decided was too bitter and kept in pocket, but I'll I'll share it with you. Now, I was going to be in a guy who didn't give me credit yesterday. So, Maxine, quick background. Uh, Tony's got Warrior Season tickets. Can't always go. Apparently, last night was one of those times. So he reached out to social media to see if he could sell his tickets. And I saw the post and like, I like Tony, dude, we're fucking friends. So I, you know, retweeted the post to help him get it out there. The tickets got sold. I know that because he had a follow-up post that not only announced that the tickets got sold, but specifically thanking two other people for reposting, helping him sell. I was not included in that. Thank at all. <laughs> I thought I would just be like magnanimous, nothing in any way. So here we are. I'm in a little pissy. Tony, what's up, dude? I couldn't get some credit or what? Well, here's the thing. I sent that before you had reposted it. And then in between you posting it and that, they sold. So I didn't go back and thank everyone. So I, I apologize if I hurt your feelings. You did. You definitely did. I don't feel like that's a genuine apology, but I will accept it nonetheless. Boys. Did you see the guy that said, prove it? Like I, I proved that you sold the tickets. I was like, prove what? <laughs> I did. I saw, I saw you responding. I didn't see what he asked you to prove, but I did yeah. see you throw back out proof what, which did <laughs> spark my curiosity, but I was apparently too bitter about something yeah. I had no, never no right to be bitter about. Yeah, it, it was never what it responded. was. Yeah, I mean, also, Maxime, I will not be forwarding his next one because he fucked me <laughs> on this one. But I mean, whatever, dude. We'll, we'll see if we'll I invite chase you to a game down. again. Let's go. Let's talk Warriors. All right. Yep. We got big things to do. And Tony, let's start where we normally do. It's our glass half full. You know this segment, but if you're new to the podcast, you might not. What we do here is we look back on recent Warriors soup and pick out something you like and didn't like. Tony, we haven't had you for a while. I love your take here, man. What do you got? So, so something I like is the idea of the Warriors depth. I think that there is something there. They just haven't quite tapped into the the correct rotations, the correct lineups that are really going to maximize the young guys as well as the aging superstars. So, something that I don't love, again, is the rotations and the lack of trusting some of the younger guys who are supposed to take a leap this year. I think that um, Steve Kerr is one of the greatest of all times, but I think his crutch is what he knows. And he knows Steph, Clay, Dre looney and he's not really giving moody and kaminga the the runway they need 
Because in this long season, those guys, in my opinion, need to play 25, 30 minutes a game just to get the old guys to the playoffs. Whose minutes should go down? So I was going to ask, follow that up. You know, who goes up, who goes down? She just gave us the up, Kaminga and Moody. Who should go down to accommodate that? Well, I think Chris Paul playing 35 minutes a night probably isn't sustainable. I think he should probably be between 20 and 24. Uh, I think Clay's minutes should go down. Um, and uh, personally, I think those two should be starting and and really giving Steph the the athleticism and the the point of attack defense that he needs to really thrive. Keep the mic because this is interesting to me. Um, and well, let me ask it this follow-up way. Because one of the, the themes that we're going to explore today is how worried should we be? And you know, let's let's grasp some optimism. Um, and one of the ways I was going to approach that is look, before the season started, we asked a lot of people, they all told us about 20 games before you can judge them. You know, that that seemed to be the accepted line. We're not there yet. Right. We are what, 14, 15 games in um, whatever it is. So do you expect, you know, fast forward, let's say we are 25 games from now. Do you expect the lineups to continue to switch and Kerr to continue to tinker? Or do you think that we're already kind of seeing the lineups that Kerr has already decided on? And, um, you know, it is what it is. I think the only thing that makes Kerr change the lineups is injury. I, I just don't see him having a conversation with Clay and Clay saying, I'll go to the bench. And yeah, he played great last night, but the, the reality is you can see it in the first 15 games. You can see it in preseason. The lateral quickness of, of Chris Paul, of Clay, it's just not there. So these young teams are just going to keep attacking them. And that's not going to get better as the season goes on. We saw it last year too, really since Clay's injury. So I think. There's a lot of people calling for trade, uh, Clay to get traded, get rid of him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying change your role. Catch, shoot, one dribble, pull up. Keep it simple and put him against guys that aren't starters. Yeah. And what, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll, to put us back on track and make this a glass half full, I'll, uh, I'll Venn diagram this. Let's put it together. Yeah. One of the things I liked, man, was Clay's balanced approach. I mentioned it up front in your intro. Yeah. And it kind of fits into what you were saying. Um, last night was one of the first times I felt that Clay allowed the game to come to him. He wasn't pressing as hard as he otherwise would. He wasn't looking to beat people off the dribble, which he has never done in his career. And so it still isn't a finished product, right? We're, we're still hoping for larger things from Clay. But what I liked about the performance wasn't the 20 points, although thank God we fucking got it. It was that it acknowledged or at least seemed like he um, wasn't forcing it. And if if we can figure out the exact way he fits into this offense, I still think he's an enormous difference maker. Um, I also, I'll just throw this in here because I wasn't sure where I was going to do it. The amount of hate that Clay is fielding, not just from around the league, but from within Dub Nation is the most spoiled BS I have ever seen. We can all be a little frustrated with his slow start. Who knows what ultimately happens? But when you're talking about this guy, show some fucking respect, man. This guy brought in four championships. There's known as the Splash Brothers, not the Splash Guy. He helped bring all of this, you know, the, the this dynastic success that has allowed us to be this spoiled came on the back of Clay Thompson. So when you are evaluating what's happening this year, make sure that you remember what the hell else he did. Uh, another thing I liked for this season, 
Wiggins motivation, his effort these last few games. Shot isn't always fallen. We had kind of a shitty relapse last night, but him getting down for loose balls, him really fighting on the offensive glass, which has been awesome. Is you almost the, tip dunks, right? Yeah, exactly right, dude. It's the exact effort that, that was kind of missing in the beginning. So those are two things that I liked. I've got a big one I don't, but I'll save it. Maxime, what do you got? Yeah, I appreciate that because I wanted to sneak in on the on the clay love. It felt really good to see him drain some open looks. On the last pod, I, I said, oh, I'm, I'm worried that teams are going to start sagging off of him, getting into his head. Yeah, right. Clay is one of the most uh, steel-caged minds that we know in this league. He has a great jumper. It's going to go in if he's left open. That's why it felt so good. There was, a, I think we went up two. It was like early on in the game, eight to 10 or something. The ball zipped around. It was the classic strength in numbers thing. And then as soon as, you know, Clay shot one in, Fitz says, see, that's Warriors basketball and starts talking about ball movement and all that. And I, and I was thinking the same thing. It felt so good. Those are the open looks that we want to give to Clay because, yeah, it was sort of a more measured game. But at the same time, he did have that one like drive to the rim, barely elevated at all and got completely packed. So, you know, it's not all there for him. And I wish the game would slow down. And I think it's a lot based on some of the things that Tony is bringing up. Um, you know, around trying some different things, but maybe maybe getting back into our offensive bag a little bit more about that ball movement, about passing up some good shots to lead to a great shot. And if Clay can feel confident getting a couple of more of those to fall, I mean, it was like three in a row. It's like, oh, a classic Clay heater. All of a sudden, I think he's going to feel like, oh, I know where my role is again. Um, and then things are going to start falling a lot better. So I want to rescind that take that I gave last time that uh, that Clay's not going to hit open shots. Like that was just, that was boneheaded bullshit. That might've been me pandering to the the aspect of the fans that are clearly freaking out um i love the dude clearly he still has it um but i wish that the game would come to him a little bit more and we can do that with a lot more ball movement yeah fun fact i was talking to you uh when oh, i said yeah show this guy some respect i thought that take was terrible when you said it then so it's it's good that you <laughs> fell on your sword right now tony what we did last week man was defcon levels which always confuses yeah. the hell out of me and i screwed up the the numbers then but give us a DEFCON level for Clay. This The beginning of the season, you've been watching. Um, so I now know DEFCON 1 is awful. DEFCON 5, nothing to worry about. Where where do you put your levels with Clay? Especially now that, you know, just had a, a pretty successful game last night. Um, I would say right in the middle. Because um, he's going to hit shots. He's going to score. It's Is he going to accept what his body can currently do? And if you notice even more so than the past, he can't create the separation off the dribble to get to where he wants or get in a position to shoot. So if he keeps doing what he's doing and um, let, let me, let me go back to the whole start. I think the starting lineup should be dependent on who they're playing. So sure. if it's a long, young athletic team, Clay's going to struggle. And you yeah. saw against some of these defenders, I mean, the other night against OKC, he couldn't even get a shot off. Um, he really struggled. So I, I think I'm about midway after last night's game, but I was never worried about him playing. It's just him playing the right role. No, and course. actually, I don't know if you guys saw today, Kerr came out with an article or someone interviewed him and he said the same thing. We're really trying to get clay to catch and shoot. If he doesn't have it, keep moving. Uh, we're not trying to get clay to score off the dribble. So, you know, when the fans say it, it's hate. When Kerr says, says it now, hopefully people will, listen to some of the people who've played basketball and kind of see what's going on. Well, and let's add some context, man. The idea that clay may have to transition his game. That's what we're talking about is recognize where his body is and where he is, you know, age wise, and then maybe transition his game is not new to the sport. In fact, 
it was embraced by my mind, the best person to have ever done it, Michael Jordan. You know, after he was no longer jumping over people, he started developing that fadeaway that we saw. His game changed, and he was just as successful. He just had to transition into a new place that recognized what his body could do. So when we're yeah. talking about a changed role, we're not saying diminished. We're not saying unvaluable, you know, and, and we're not saying he's not still elite. It's just a matter of recognizing what you have and then making that transition to uh, to what you can do with what you have, right? All right, here's what I don't like. Um, so I'll give you what I don't like, give you a story, and then let's turn it into a question. What I don't like, boys, is Steve Kerr refusing to fucking foul when they're up three and there's only 1.4 seconds left on the clock. And so here's the story. I went to that game. This is the OKC game. Oh. I went with Erica, um, my wife. And, you know, close game. We enjoyed it. And I told her before we showed up, my goal, literally my goal was, look, Saturday night, we're on a date. Let's just enjoy this. I'm not going to get emotionally involved. Like, doesn't matter. <laughs> Win, lose, dude. Like, you and I, we're just going to enjoy this. Maybe we'll go to the store, walk around, have a great time. Fast forward, I'm deeply emotionally involved. <laughs> like, just way too emotionally involved. Wiggs hits that three, and I hugged my wife like celebration hug as if we had just been rescued after like a snowstorm. Like it was like, it was like people were looking at us like, what's wrong with this dude way over the top. And then immediately after that hug, I start hissing to her. They better foul. Kerr never fouls, dude. They never foul. They better. And she's, she, I'd say it so many times. She's literally says, just watch the game. Like we don't have to talk about it. You know, like, let's see what happens. Uh, goes down history, you know, reveals how the hell that shot, uh, unfolded they hit the three go to overtime and we lose and i've been pissy ever since all right so the question i want to ask you should they have fouled am i right to be upset tony i want your response but before you give it to me let's hear steve kerr explain why he didn't because he has faced a ton of this right he's he was asked the question so let's hear from kerr and then we'll hear from you we, we only wanted to foul if it was a clean foul because at that time uh, if somebody catches, I've seen um, a lot of plays where you foul early and they still um, give the guy a shooting foul. So you got to be really careful. Um, so we switched and uh, Wiggs got a good challenge. Chet just made an incredible shot. There's his response, Tony. You coach this stuff. Um, you have seen it at the professional levels. You know this better than I. What do you think, dude? Right call? So I think two things should have happened before Chet even caught the ball. Wiggins should have been standing on the three-point line, top blocking, basically saying you're not getting to the three-point line for mm -hmm. that catch and forcing the ball to go into the three-point line. I think once mm -hmm. Chet caught the ball in the position he was, that's a tough one to foul unless you get it perfectly as he's catching the ball. So I would have fouled if it was a clean catch on the, on the three before he could turn and shoot, but the fact that they were switching. Why are you switching on the block? Yeah. Wiggins should have just been standing there. Chris Paul should have been standing there and said, hey, throw the ball in the key. So I, I think it was flawed from the beginning. Uh, I don't think Wiggins, he couldn't have contested it any better. Yep. And the chances of Chet making that shot again are probably pretty slim. Uh, but I, I, I tend to think you should foul up three, but it has to be the right foul, especially the way guys are grifting for fouls nowadays. Right. And the which Warriors is what, luck, it probably would have been a four-point play. Which is what Kerr was saying, right? But but so let me make sure I'm hearing you. So I understand the way they approach it from the jump. It was already flawed and they screwed up. But so let's say it, it, they, you know, we assume they screwed it up already. That's how they're going to play it. 
Now just take me right to the moment. Chet catches the ball. Wiggins is on on the where we saw him. Should, did, 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 with the way it played out, did Wiggins do the right thing and not fouling him? Am I hearing you right? That they, I think so. Yeah, I because think, it was I mean, too close. Because again, give him that shot 10 times, he probably makes it one in that situation. That, that was a tough shot. Uh, but again, why are we switching inside the three-point line? Why are we chasing anybody inside the three-point line? Same thing happened in the in the Utah Jazz game the other night. Did you see that when Markin yeah. got that three? Why are we chasing him in the first place? Stand on the three-point line. That's probably uh, easier said than done, but it, it just makes a little more sense. To finish the story, so obviously we stand through the timeout. You stand through everything. You wait till they come back out. Chet hits the three, and it felt like... 19,000 people, like everyone in that building collectively waited in line and they just punched me in the balls. And like, I, <laughs> and so after I had told Erica, like, you know, look, dude, we're going to have a great night. Um, and it's a five thirty start. That's why I love the weekend games. So we get out with time to like, hang out. You know, we got like a babysitter and shit. I was such a pissy, depressed, completely useless. Home. Like we took the ferry. She had to basically drag me there while I walked looking down, you know, like Michael Sarah in Arrested Development. Like it was, it was not my best performance, but it never is after losses, boys. It is what it is, I guess. That was a tough one. It definitely was. Um, all right. To the meat of this podcast. Yeah. So I, I normally try to avoid Tony, any kind of corny shit, right? If it's, if it's, um, Halloween, we don't talk about costumes that the Warriors should wear. And generally speaking, for Thanksgiving, I try to avoid like the, oh, let's give thanks. But I need it this year. All right. So we are calling this thing or segment giving thanks. The idea is that this star didn't go exactly as we wanted, right? It's not um, it's not the same world-beating team we thought they were when we were six and two. So to help me with some optimism, I want you to give me a reason or reasons if you have them. Why you are genuinely thankful to have this Warriors franchise in your life, or put differently, a reason why things might still be okay going forward. All right. Um, and if either of you boys want to go first, the uh, the mic is yours. So I'm thankful that they went on a losing streak. I know that sounds crazy, but I think when they started off with a five or six and two. Everyone was saying, oh, look at the moves they made. Everything was great. Not realizing that they beat a couple bad teams. They won two games on the buzzer. The margins were really thin. So I think, obviously, I don't think any of us wanted a six-game losing streak, but losing makes you really reflect. Hmm. And I think from that, you're going to see hopefully some adjustments for the bigger picture of, of getting through the season, getting into the playoffs. Because if you keep winning, you think everything is good. And at some point in the season, you can't make changes. It's really hard once everything and the routines and all that said. So it sounds a little shitty, but I think losing some games, put things into focus that one, we're a little old and small. And how are we going to overcome that? Do you, I love that. Um, so with the idea that maybe we've seen, we need a change, either big or small. Do you anticipate a lineup change at some point before the playoffs start? Just a guess, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's all this is. I, I, again, I think it's going to have to be someone gets hurt. Actually, multiple people. Because you would think Draymond getting hurt, Kaminga would come in and get 30, 35 yeah. minutes. And it did the first game, right? He got to start, and then they went away from had his best game in forever. So I think it's going to take multiple older guys to get hurt. So these young guys get tons of reps to get ready. Because yeah, I so just don't see 
I mean, Kerr even talked today about he can't find minutes for Moody. And Moody's playing great. He's young. He can get up and down the floor. So it's hard. It's hard when you have a core that's one at this level to say, hey, guys, we need to switch things up. If you had to bet something that is significant to you, right? Let's call it a mortgage payment. Would you bet that the Warriors make a trade or do not make a trade uh, before the deadline this year? I don't know if they make a trade. They do have the 15th roster spot open. Yep. But I think it all depends on their record. If they're 500 or below, someone's getting traded. If um, they're, you know, in fourth, fifth place, they probably write it out. Uh, I think what's made it difficult for the Warriors to attract um, in either trade or free agent is unless Wiggins, Clay, or Draymond gets traded, I don't think anyone wants to come here because they know they're coming off the bench. They know their role is diminished. So it's going to be real interesting if they do make a trade. Who is it? Who is it for? And uh, could they land someone who's really a difference maker? I think you're right. Um, and I'll use it as an excuse to jump into my own thing that I am uh, crazy thankful for. So Steph, easy, right? I mean, we don't have to say it. I mean, it, it's on everybody's presumed answer list, having somebody of his caliber in my life on a night-to-night basis, at least has to be said, but foregone conclusion. Here's a random one I'm fired up for. I am glad that we have an insanely competitive and willing to spend owner on our side. All right. So what I like is that somewhere right now, Joe Lacob is more frustrated than any of us are on this last six game losing skid. As angry as each of us were, as pissy as I was walking back to that ferry, wherever Lacob was, I promise you he was angrier and more competitive and more fired up to change things. And the idea that if things go the wrong direction, and the front office is out there looking for solutions that we have an owner who will not only motivate them to turn over every rock to find one, but then fund them to, to, to pay for whatever solutions they uncover is exceptionally lucky and not usual. We don't have to even look far. Look at the fucking John Fisher, the A's owner, you know, the here in our own backyard, let he won't pay for a team. He is desperate to leave this area. We have somebody who, as this season continues, maybe to go in the wrong direction, will use his considerable resources to flip it. And that is a, um, a gigantic advantage. And one I am very thankful for Maxime, what do you got? Well, I want to piggyback off of both of you guys before I, I say my own thing. First of all, that's not necessarily the case to just have a rich owner, right? Like Steve Ballmer just kind of gutted his whole squad to bring in James Harden. And we're seeing that not really go well. So I think just to add on to that, there is also, I think, a level of trust that Lacob has in his front office. You know, we know that behind the scenes, he's doing some amount of pushing and advocating on behalf of whatever he wants. But I think by and large, he's still willing to allow the experts to do their jobs as opposed to thinking that because he has all the cash, therefore he knows what to make all all the decisions for. So I'm thankful for that component as well. Also, to Tony's point, I'm kind of thankful for this five-game suspension from Draymond Green in terms of like kind of back-ass words things. Uh, Bob Myers, I don't know if you guys saw, had an interview with Kawakami that I guess was already scheduled before the suspension, but nonetheless happened after the suspension. And so they got to talk about it a little bit. And he was saying, you know, I haven't had a conversation with Draymond, but if I did, you know, if I was still the GM right now, what we would say is, all right, this was, this was it. This was your one thing. You know, this was your mulligan. You don't get that again. 
are you cool? Are we going to have an okay season now? Like getting him to settle down, kind of calm down a little bit. So the fact that it came early when Draymond comes back, I mean, we are bleeding on defense and we need him. So hopefully that's going to reset it a little bit. Tony, do you think, so I hear that and I'm sure Bob Meyer said that and I'm sure he meant it. I also think I chuckle in my mind. The idea that somebody going to Draymond and saying, all right, there's your one chance. And then Draymond actually hearing that, like, okay, I better behave now. Zero, zero point zero. He is, he has learned every year. He doesn't need to be fucking accountable because they need him so badly. He could have five more of these. And then when he comes back, they'll still desperately need him. So I, I hear that. I don't believe it. I don't think that he would actually um, receive that kind of ultimatum. What do you think? Well, Bob Myers had a chance to do it last year. Did he do it with Draymond last year and sit him down and say, hey, you knocked out your teammate. This is your one mulligan. It didn't change his behavior. So for me, it's getting really tired because I think in sports in general, you deal with stuff like that when guys are elite and you just know that, hey, we're going to let it go because he's so good. I know it's a controversial take. I don't think Draymond's that player anymore every night. Once every four or five games, I think he's fantastic, but I don't think he gives you that uh, defensive player of the year effort every single night. I mean, he's missed half the season already, right? I mean, you can't count on the guy. So anyway, that could be a whole nother pod. I'll say now just to push back, I I am still willing to go through these trade-offs. It, it drives me crazy as we go through this next five or how many suspended games are left? These next two games, I'll continue to be pissy. I think it was a selfish act at the last five seconds of him choking Gobert. I think the first five seconds were not selfish. But after all of that, I'm still happy he's on the team. I just wish we didn't have to deal with some of this shit. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Maxime, to you, thing you were genuinely thankful for. The thing that I actually am excited for is that Chris Paul advocated for Dario Saric. I, I, top to bottom, this roster, I, I trust, right? I'm excited whenever anybody has minutes. There's excitement about the young players getting to develop and actually contribute. Um, obviously, the stars are fantastic. Dario Saric, he's filling this role that we've had before with like, you know, Otto Porter Jr. or Nemanja Bielitsa or whatever, who's like this guy that came in for one year and, you know, he's like a taller wing and, um, you know, and they've had more or less success. But like, there's something about, you know, Dario and Chris Paul's two-man game that is fantastic. But I like every time he's open and takes a three, I trust it. You know, it looks good. Most of the time it goes in. Occasionally it doesn't, whatever. But like, I... I feel like this dude is more of a warrior than I've felt with past one season, you know, veteran minimum guys. So I'm pretty excited for Dario and I thank Chris Paul for bringing him in. I like his game more than I like Nemanja Bielitsis. And you know what it reminds me of? And this is a super random ass analogy, but I'll make it. He reminds me of the WWF, the old school wrestling. And here's why. So there'd be times in, in, and I'm sure it still happens in WWE, but somebody would take somebody and throw them against the ropes and then they physically couldn't stop running. You know, like, I, and I never understood that. They'd run into the ropes and they'd run back to the other person. They were literally like, I can't stop running. And then they'd get hit in the face. And so something physically that doesn't make sense 
Same thing for when Dario goes to the hole and goes around his back and it beats the defender. I don't know why that fucking move is working so like phenomenally well. It's a physical thing that doesn't make sense to me, but goddamn if it, if it's not getting him open. Um, and so yeah, I'm a huge fan of Dario. In fact, so much so I take back everything I said about his facial hair. I think it is a dope <laughs> look. I was wrong about that, and I can admit my mistakes. You know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely been a bright spot. He he can play, and I think the more they can play him at the four, he's just going to continue to thrive. Oh, I had a, a conversation with a friend of the podcast, and then just friend, Connor, um, who is taking over for CJ, by the way, and is going to be the new beat writer. Oh. And we went to a game, and JK came up, and we were talking about his ceiling. Um, and I won't share who thought what. I'll just give you the two positions. You tell me which one you agree with. One of us thought that the ceiling was an all-star caliber. Let him get the kind of development that he needs. This is a kid who will at least be in the all-star discussion. The other of us thought, no, look, he's got a a hell of a skill set, but we're not talking all-star. We're talking career starter. He might not average 25, but he's going to average between 15 and 18, and every player or every team will want him, just, you know, not in an all-star context. So, you know, A or B, which, which one of those do you agree with? Is he still on the Warriors? Uh, great question. The third person we were with took that, asked that exact distinction. That third person said on the Warriors, he is not an all-star, but a great player. Somewhere else would be an all-star. So you can take that as as option C. I don't think that there's enough uh, basketball intelligence. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that. That's just my sort of gut feeling, because obviously I can't talk to the dude. But I feel like there's more of like a mercenary high athleticism, but not necessarily some of the intangibles that that lead to maybe the all-star um, not. Sounds like we got one for A, Tony. Well, so on the Warriors, he's not even a starter. So it's hard to say that he would become an all-star. Um, so I think on the Warriors, he's w- with the current core still playing. I think we're going to see exactly what we see from him unless he gets 30 plus minutes a night. Uh, on another team, I think he would be three years from now in a conversation, um, again, depending on who he was playing with, of probably a fringe all-star, but I'm not quite seeing that uh, that fluidity from his game. You know, all-stars, things tend to happen kind of naturally, and the movements are just fluid. He's a little stiff, um, as athletic as he is. Um, sometimes I question his functional athleticism. Hmm. You know, um, like last night he got that one dunk off of one mm-hmm. foot. Yeah. I mean, that's the first time I've seen him jump off one foot in a long time. It was so nasty. He usually though. gathers off to it. It was nice. So yeah, I don't, I don't see it. Definitely not on the warriors. Um, unless some things change and, and probably not, but a, a career starter for sure. And I was a, for what it's worth. I was the guy who thought he would be a starter, not an all-star. Um, and Connor it genuinely believes in his future. Our final question, boys, and it gets corny again, but I'm still with it. So give me a glass half full, but not for the Warriors. I want you to look back at Thanksgiving meals you've had. Give me something you like and something you don't to give you some time to think and give you a sense of where I'm going with this. I'll go first. So something I like, even easy, I could give you a dish I like. I'd say mashed potatoes, but instead I'm going to give a justification I like. I like that I can just sit and eat like a gigantic, disgusting slob and nobody can say anything about it. I can have one dessert. I can have five desserts. I can have all sides. I can have all proteins. I can do whatever the hell I want and nobody can say anything about it. I love that. All right. 
thing I don't like. And so this used to be a zag, but I think so many people have zagged this direction now. It's like kind of cliche, but I'll say it anyways. I don't like turkey, dude. It's dry as shit. I'm just not on board for it. The same way that if you take grapes and dry them out, they become raisins. I feel like if you take chicken and dry it out, it becomes turkey. Like, I don't know why we've decided this is where we wanted to go. I'm hard out on it. If I have to add a second thing to give it some kind of moisture and gravy, how about I just don't have the first thing and only eat something that tastes good? So there is my glass half full and empty. Um, Tony, why don't you go first? Well, Bram, have you ever tried the dark meat? It's a little more moist. It's a little, uh, a little more flavorful. <laughs> I've gone that way. <laughs> yeah, so I agree with the whole turkey thing. I do have a little bit. But, you know, have you guys ever been to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse? Oh, yeah, sure. Have you ever had the uh, sweet potato casserole? Hell good. So I, I found the recipe for it. And over the last three oh. years, I've perfected it. Oh. No one else really eats it because they think it's a dessert. So I sit there for the first half of Thanksgiving and eat half the fucking dish, right? <laughs> and it is my bliss time because I, I really just make it for myself. I could care less, couldn't care less about family liking and stuff. So that that's my my spot on Thanksgiving. I'd load my entire plate with sweet potato casserole, a little bit of jello, because someone always makes some weird jello shit. And I just I love it. I love it. Do you mention that you made it? Like as you're loading it up, are you like, oh, like no, I spent some no, time I, on I don't this. mention it at all because I don't want anyone to eat it because <laughs> I want to take the leftovers home as well. But like, per, per your statement, everyone stuffs their face so much that there's other desserts that come yeah. out with the pie that it just sits there. And when the people do be like, oh, this is fantastic. I'm like, stay away from it. It is mine. <laughs> it's coming home. It's yeah. coming home with me. All right. What do you not like? Uh, I don't like when uh, you get seated next to someone. You just have no one to talk. You, you, you have nothing to talk about, like a, a cousin or an aunt you haven't seen in a long time. And you're just like, hey, how's it going? And after the first minute, you're just you're stuck there. And you just got to keep going and getting more portions to get the fuck out of there. Like, hey, I'm going to go get some more sweet potato casserole. I'll be right back. <laughs> and then you kind of dodge them for five or ten minutes. And then you come back and they're still sitting there. That drives me crazy. I see you being like me. So in that scenario, I would I, the entire time I talk. I would just keep coming up with bullshit things. Like, you know, yeah. if color blue smelled like something, what do you think it would smell like? I mean, just like whatever, completely asinine, yeah. terrible conversational topics. Um, whereas my wife, for example, she would try for the first 30 seconds and if it got awkward, she would just shut down, just not talk, would be totally fine, silent there. Um, oh, I can't, I can't sit in silence. I just get up and move like, hey, I got to go get something. And then I go check Twitter or do something. Yeah. <laughs> so said, I got to go get something. The camera just follows Tony. It just stands somewhere. It's just, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I got to go get away from you, dude. And this is a good place to do that. Maxime, what do you like or don't? Well, I'm uh, uh, to to the, to finish that up. I'm like Erica, except I'm not totally fine with it. I'm silent, and I can't think about anything else but how it's silent, and it's just my least favorite thing in the whole <laughs> world. Um, so luckily, I don't get into too many of those encounters. Um, but I don't, I don't generally like the the politicking that happens around Thanksgiving, right? Of like, whose family are we going to go to? Who's going to get invited? Who therefore is left out? It's just, it's so miserable. I my neighbors, um, just, I, I was running into them the other day and, and he's like, oh yeah, like we've just stopped. We just literally go somewhere for Thanksgiving. So like this year they just flew out to Brazil. They're like, fuck it. We're not going to be here. Um, I kind of like that approach. So, uh, yeah, not, not a fan, not a fan of the politicking before mm. the meal even starts, you know? So by the time you get to the meal, there's all of this like pressure and energy that's been yeah. happening. It's just unpleasant. Where's cousin Johnny? Oh, he didn't make it this year. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, that right. And then like somebody's like smiling while invited. somebody's crying, and it's like this sucks, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> nobody's winning. <laughs> also, fuck turkey. Yeah, I hate I hate turkey. Um, can I just give you two things I don't like? I don't know. Yeah, oh shit! <laughs> Turns out Maxim just dislikes Thanksgiving. Yeah. A thing I don't like. Thanksgiving. <laughs> so there you go. Um, quick judgment theater, and then let's get the hell out of here. So I mean, we've all gone through it. It's not limited to just Thanksgiving. It can happen at any meal. So assume you go somewhere. They are making a hand or a home cooked meal for you. You like the people, you know, you certainly want to be nice, but you do not like the food. You're not allergic. You don't have that, right? You can't say like, I can't eat it. You just dislike it, right? What's your move? How do you handle it? Start with me, boys. That goes to me. I'm at a meal. I dislike the food. I like the cook. What do I do? 100%. You eat it and you act like you like it. Nice. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that's right because like you care so much about the person that it matters more than the meal. But I also know you to be somebody that that enjoys food and is a good cook yourself. So I think you're going to throw some amount of passive aggressive comments and, and maybe you're like towing the line so that it's more for you than it is for them. But you're not going to be 100 percent. You're going to be like 90 percent. So you guys are both right, shockingly enough. I go with time release, passive aggression on that. Yeah? <laughs> so like when it actually happens, I'll, I'll eat it, you know, and I'll go through it. It is what it is. And I'll say all the right things and hopefully not make any of the wrong facial expressions. But then at some point down the line, not for a while, probably not the next time you see me, but at some point I will have some kind of passive aggressive humor about, holy shit, did I hate that? You know, we, we had a. We had friends who are like big sushi files. Like they just love sushi. Um, and then fine. I'd, you know, I will eat it. But when I do, I'm hella boring. I'll eat like the cooked stuff. And they had a chef brought into their home and they made like the craziest stuff, you know, like sea urchin balls. Like, I don't know, whatever the <laughs> hell it was. And they invited us and it was super nice for them to invite us. But I, dude, I hated that stuff. It's not for me, dude. And like, the, the chef is right there looking at your face as you were eating these, you know, sea urchin testicles. And so that night I like, I was like, Oh yeah, this is fine. Smashing water. Like you've never seen take a bite, smash water, water. water. And then maybe a year later I had a bunch of comments. Um, so that's the way I'd handle it. Let's but the question, the question is if it wasn't a professional chef and the person you knew made the food, do yeah. you, give those comments to that person or the people Wait. who are there like hey remember when billy made that shit oh my yes. god it was terrible would both. you say something to billy oh, okay both. Yeah, yeah i mean more the best case scenario is i say something to billy through the other people you know like uh, we're all at the table and then i can look at the other people and be like dude what was up with billy on that meal like he knows i don't like sea urgent i'm not sure what was going on so i will do both um tony let's go with you so for the record, you don't like sea urchin balls. I don't. No, no. Yeah, ever I ever have you over for dinner. Okay. Yeah, please. No, no. And especially like fresh. I, I really do not <laughs> like them fresh. So please keep that off my menu. Um, I think Tony is like me, but I think it's a shortened timeline. I think that he is polite. I don't, you know, he's not going, he's not like taking a bite and spitting it on the table and be like, F this, you know? So I think he'll eat it. I think he's nice to the person. And then somewhere along the line during that meal, mentions to not the cook but someone else there you know i normally don't like whatever it is venison you know like whatever it is they've they've got and you couch it in I, it's not that i don't like how they've cooked it it's just this thing this in particular thing i don't necessarily like and then you let it float out there 
Yeah, this, this that's, that seems about right. I think, you know, the, the niceness, right, the politeness is there too. But Tony's also a coach. So I feel like there might be an opportunity to be like, you know, like, I feel like the last time I made this dish, like I put in paprika. Is is there paprika in here? No, oh no, like you should try <laughs> paprika, that next time, course, you know? Paprika. Like, yeah. <laughs> Here's where you fucked it up. Let yeah, me, exactly. Let me help you get let this me help better. You. Yeah. What's the truth, Tony? Well, the truth is I will always taste it, but I will not finish it if I don't like it. Oh. And I one time got uh, escorted out of uh, French laundry. Have you heard no. of that restaurant? Because, well, some other things, but I was kind of <laughs> like, why are we? Pay- why is this so expensive for this shit? It's not that good. Oh my now, god! Mind you, that was after about two bottles of Dom. Right. And uh, but anyway, so no, and I I don't mean to insult anyone. Tom, oh, yeah. Tom what do you mean? There. Slow down, dude. We're not going with that anyway. <laughs> yeah. I need way more details on that fucking story. Uh, tell me. So what have if, if once French Laundry decides you have to leave? How do they execute that? Does like, does somebody come over to your table and be like, ooh, sir, we're right, gonna need so, you to leave? Like, what's that look like? So we we bought this dinner. It was like a, a private dinner with Thomas Keller. He's the famous oh, yeah, guy sure. through like credit card points or something, right? So we get there and uh, I had to take an Uber there because my wife was coming from somewhere else. So I get there and I'm kind of dressed up and I'm not feeling too comfortable. And this guy comes and stands next to me with this other guy and says, Isn't it great that we're here in the in the Northern California, drinking the best champagne in the world and da da da. And I said, Oh, it's awesome. And he walks away and I said, Hey, who, who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> like, Oh, that's Thomas Keller. He's the famous chef. And I said, well, what are we drinking? And they're like, Oh, Dom Perignon, something, something. So of course it's free Dom. I'm pounding it, right? Pounding it, pounding it. So my wife gets there and she's like starstruck by Thomas Keller. Oh, I love you. Da da da. All this kind of stuff. Well, it was one of those meals where they pair everything with a wine. Well, she had to drive home, so I'm I'm double dipping her wine, my wine. About halfway through the dinner, Thomas Keller comes out of the kitchen, and at the top of my lungs, I yell, "Tommy boy!" <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> are you still stare. married? Like, did you survive this? Well, hold on. He gives me this. It gets better. He gives me this stare, and he walks over, and he goes, "Hey, listen, Anthony." And I go, what? Nobody calls me Anthony. He looked me dead in the eye. He goes, no one calls me Tom. And I go, oh, <laughs> fuck, right? So I'd already fucked up there. And then I was I was pounding the table trying to get chance going because there was like 12 people at this private Wait, dinner. <laughs> and before dessert came, they walked over and said, hey, we think it's time for you to leave. And my wife yeah, was shocking. He was pissed. Gets me in the car, right? Wait, what thinking, chance? Like, what chant did you want going, Tommy boy? Like, yeah. what, what did you try to get going? <laughs> no. And then the, the server looked just, or the one of the helpers looked just like Bruno Mars. So I was singing Bruno Mars song. Oh my God. So half the table was like, oh, this guy's great. And half the table was like, fuck this guy. We paid for this meal. Get out of here. So we get in the car. My wife's just like, I'm never bringing you to a nice restaurant again. I'm like, hey, it was fun. It was great. You know, in my mind, I, I thought it was fun. So we're driving home from, I think it's in Yountville, right? The exit before our house, I kind of wake up because I passed out. And my wife looks at me and goes, do I need to pull over? Are you going to throw up? I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. No. All of a sudden, I roll the window down, stick my head out, vomit like I've never had before. Have you ever thrown up out of a car? It all comes back in. Yep. So we're driving in our brand new car and boom, the whole ceiling when we get home is full of French laundry. <laughs> and so I get out of the car and I walk in and this whole half of my body is covered in vomit. I don't think anything of it. I walk in the house. I take a shower. Uh, My cousin was watching the kids. 
So she's like, what the hell happened? So I wake up like at four in the morning and my wife isn't there. And I'm like, oh my God, she left me. What what the hell, right? So she gets home and she didn't talk to me for like a day. I go, where were you? She goes, I had to take the car to a car wash at four in the morning in Oakland. And I'm not talking to you ever again. So yes, I told Tom Keller this food was overpriced. So there you go. Judge, judge me all you want. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to judge you for multiple things on that in a positive way. Look, I can associate with most of the things you've gone through there, but I mean, phenomenal story. And I'm very happy. I asked a follow up drink, way too much drink. And I did, I did get the invite to the next night's restaurant and I'm no longer, there's, there's another story, but I'm no longer invited to nice restaurants with my wife. Yeah. I was going to say who the fuck invited you to the second one. It definitely wasn't Tommy boy. Well, well, my wife, my wife is in corporate travel. So United, all these people always invite her to these things. And she gave me another flyer. So I'm gonna let you come again. And I, I kind of fucked up again. So I'm no longer invited. We'll, we'll chase down that second story yeah. on your next appearance. Uh, nicely played. I also changed my guess on the Judgment Theater. If you had food you didn't like, I think you'll just spit it right on the table. And <laughs> or just wait for the car anybody. right home. And or, wait, yeah. or wait and vomit it right outside. Um, Not one of my finer moments. No, or one of your best moments on this podcast. It all just depends hey. on context. We go to Maxime. <laughs> what do you think, dude? You, you Drop your, your guess on Maxime, Tony. How do you, uh, how do you read this? Oh, 100% he's eating the whole plate, saying how good it is. And then he gets in the car. He's like, oh, that was terrible. Links, He's he's not ruffling any feathers. No way. He might not even, you might get in the car and like get indigestion, but I don't even know if you tell like Natalie that you disliked it. Uh, You just kind of like, you'd feel like it's rude and like, that's fine. They spent a lot of time on it. In you fact, like maybe he's asking even, for seconds. Yeah, kind of questions himself. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, maybe it's my palate that isn't really fitting <laughs> what's going on here, and I know how hard they work, so you know, it is what it is. Maxim, I'm I'm on. I'm Tony is right. Bram, what are you talking about? I I, I trust my palate completely. I am very self confident, <laughs> so I would get in the car knowing that Natalie also didn't like it because for sure, if I didn't like it, I know that she didn't like it, and then we would just talk shit the whole ride home. Like we 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 live in a world of food. We love talking about food, and Natalie's a great cook. So, um, yeah, it's it's like you know it's one of our love languages, and we will take every opportunity to talk shit behind the scenes. What happens at the table? Oh yeah, no no no, I'm eating all of it. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> they will never know. <laughs> okay, so I was right. Hooray. <laughs> Gentlemen, huge fun. I do feel a little optimistic going into the uh, the continuing first part of this season. Tony, I am sure there are a lot of people out there who need far more for show in their life. Where do they go? So I've been spending way too much time on Twitter because my kid was homesick the last three days. So you can find me on Twitter at, at uh, T-F-R-A-C-S. And then if your kid is looking for basketball training camps, clinics, uh, www.ttahoops.com, Triple Threat Academy, come check us out and uh, teach kids some basketball. Have some fun. Helped out my kid for sure. You know where we're at. Uh, you want to get us an email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can shoot that too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Also, I am back on reading Apple reviews. They mean the world to me. I don't know why, but they do. In fact, we've got a segment coming, and here's the promise. If you drop us a five-star review, I will read that five-star review into this microphone. You can say anything you want. I will still read it. Take as many shots as you want. Whatever compliments, anything. Just get us that five-star review. Uh, that and mine go worse. Hopefully, see you real soon.
Good, good. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.